In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I titled this On the Lambeth Quadrilateral, or How Did We Get Into This Mess? If you've been following Anglican Episcopal news, you might have noticed that a world gathering of Anglican Episcopal bishops has convened for the once every decade Lambeth Conference. And the Reverend William Reed Huntington, whom we commemorate today, had a lot to do with one of the first Lambeth Conferences and what we're all about. This gathering is only about 150 years old. This does not go back to the first prayer book. It doesn't go back to Athanasius. This is a pretty recent thing. The first one hosted 64 bishops. The current one invited 886 bishops, of, over, of which over 750 turned up, and their spouses, except for the few who were married in same-sex marriages, and that's where the trouble began, because they were not invited. Well, that's not where the trouble began. The trouble began a long time ago. The Anglican way has almost always been plagued or blessed by some issue which was so important to people that it's led to schisms and even to executions. We've executed our own for wanting to have the Eucharist every Sunday. It, it can get pretty heated. It was always between the Evangelicals and the Anglo-Catholics or the Low Church and the High Church. Most people can swim in the midstream and sort of get along with those on both shores. But in their passion to be heard, sometimes it gets very angry and they want to not only be heard but obeyed. In Huntington's time, there was a split in the offing. The reformed Anglican church was ready to go one way and the rest staying put. And by the way, they did despite Huntington's best efforts, but the traditional church was not pleased with this reformed evangelical movement because they accepted Methodist and, Pre and Presbyterian priests to serve. Oh, heavens to Betsy. Can't have that. And they also allowed changes in what was printed in the prayer book. People wanted to add something or subtract something. They said, okay, go ahead. Well, the traditionalists didn't like that either. And they expressed their dislike for vestments and all that glorious and glamorous frou-frou that you see in a full high mass at a cathedral. The irony is that they still exist today. The Reformed Anglican Church still exists today. And somehow they're not evangelicals anymore. They have allied themselves with the Anglican Church of North America. That's a current schism from 
this century or late last century because the people that broke away there didn't like women, women don't belong in the priesthood, and they certainly didn't like the LGBT community, they had nothing to rub shoulders with those sinners. This is the life of an Anglican. Is we're always searching for one truth. And we get a little confused and it becomes the one true way. Huntington did see some value in some of the uh, reformed Anglican ideas, ecumenism for one. So he sat down and wrote a book called On Christian Unity, and he wrote a pol policy statement, which he felt was so broad it could be accepted by the whole church defining the limits of tolerance, but protecting the rights of liturgical and theological freedom. In 1886, he managed to persuade the House of Bishops meeting in Chicago to pass a draft proposal of this, and it consisted of four basic elements. And they're kind of important. Scripture is the word of God. It contains everything we need for our salvation. The creeds are the statement of the Christian faith. You don't toy with them. The two sacraments that were given by Christ Jesus, baptism and the Eucharist, are all that's needed. All the other sacraments, marriage and that stuff, are nice, but the only two that are really sacraments that we need are baptism and the Eucharist, and the Eucharist must be administered with the Christ's words of institution, and the elements must be bread and wine. And there was one more. We have bishops, and we have bishops out of the, and I say laughingly, unbroken, of course it's broken, but what we believe is an unbroken line from Peter. At least spiritually it certainly is. And he also adapted the uh, reformed idea of having deaconesses, and he started the whole deaconess movement. So a compromise was reached. The schism still happened, but a new way of seeing ecumenism did emerge. For the whole Anglican communion, good was drawn for both sides, from both sides. And if anger and arrogance made some leave, you can't legislate or stop that. So where are we now? A whole flock of arch-conservative dioceses formed a coalition, mostly from the African countries. So strong was the feeling that the Anglican Church, in particular the Episcopal Church, was going into an unholy direction that at least three primates refused to show up. Nigeria, um, I can't remember what they were, but they were three, uh, three primates of sub-Saharan sub Africa. They put it to the Archbishop of Canterbury, if you let in those women and those gays, we cannot be there. I know there's a lot of pushback on Archbishop Welby, but he's a, between a rock and a hard place.
He's trying to please everybody and he's going to have nobody happy. So they had a series of what they called calls on a variety of topics. Environment, colonialism, human dignity. And it was an opportunity for these 750 bishops to write a reflection on a number of topics. And it was issued at the last minute, 600 pages. And that last one on human dignity contained a rather stark claim that the Anglican mind agreed that marriage was between one man and one woman. Oh, you better believe that the Facebook post started happening. And the fire and the hair and people were just hysterical. There's no other word. What made it even worse is that it wasn't even asking for reflections. It was a poll. You had two choices. I agree. I have to think about it. There was no place where you could say, no. And when those numbers were added up, it was going to be published as the mind of the Anglican Church or worldwide. One of the bishops from Toronto, who was on the committee that wrote that, said, I don't know how it got in there. It wasn't in there when I opened. So we have no idea how this happened. But what it was, was, was re, re, um, bringing back something that had been passed in 1998 that said marriage was between one man and one woman, and they put it right back in there in 2022. Well, obviously, the American priests and Welsh priests and Scottish priests and the New Zealand priests and the Canadian priests pushed back. And it was changed. It got fixed. Everybody can now just comb their hair, take a deep breath, and have a drink, and everything's fine. Sort of. You have to understand that the point of Lambeth is for everybody to get together in a spirit of charity and a willingness to listen to some people who live in very different worlds from themselves. You have to think of it as a very big, high-powered, highly educated annual parish meeting of all bishops. And it's only valuable that people listen. So what has this to do with us now? I mean, Huntington's hand reaches right out to us now. And that thing he wrote called the Lambeth Quadrilateral, which you can find on page 877 of the prayer book. All of today's readings speak of unity. Joel of a penitential gathering. The psalm of the sensuous pleasure of living with one another in unity. I always read that and wonder what the uh, psalmist's wife had to say about all that oil on his collar, but that's another issue. But it's all about the sensuousness of the, the chrism running down your face and the smell of it and the glory of it. What does the gospel teach us? This gospel is taken from Jesus' great priestly prayer to his father just before the end. The next section, he goes in to that garden and Judas kisses him and they haul him off. This is the end. 
He's asking his father, not for his benefit, but for a greater thing. The unity between himself and his father now reflected in the lives of those whom God has chosen to be his. You and you and you and you and me and those who are online, us. This is today. This is a deeper unity than arguing a point of theology at a conference or God forbid on Facebook. This is the reading that describes the circle of intimacy. Jesus, me, you, the Father, those of mine in me, they in you, these renewed people filled with Christ's life, now in intimacy with God the Father. This is the description of what he means when he says elsewhere, you are adopted, you can call God the Father, Abba, Daddy. That love which those who are his in unity of the Father, this will become beacons of evangelism. And it says so in the next session, section, which we didn't read today, drawing more and more people into Jesus and the Father in that relational quadrille going round and round, deeper and deeper. How can we be one with Jesus and in the love of the Father when we don't look upward? It is hard when something happens with, which distracts us from what he called the one, the one simple thing when he was speaking to Martha. It happened before General Convention 80 when there was a push for open table, logically arguing for the gift of Christ's body being uh, enough, ignoring the mystery of baptism and its relationship to the Eucharist. Well, that didn't sit so well. And so wiser heads said, let's not talk about it in the four days that we have. This is a, a, a fundamental question. This is not something we want to bring up. Well, it happened to get at Lambeth. Let me tell you something about those conservative churches, which we love to hate. I saw a broadcast from Archbishop Welby of a trip he took to, it was either Sudan or South, South Sudan, and he was walking along and blessing bodies, bodies laid out along the ground. His bishop, all his clerical staff, all his people. It was one of the murderous sweeps by Muslim extremists. The people in those African churches are scared. They've absorbed a lot of the um, unity from their own tribal traditions, and they don't want change right now. The last thing they want is to start dealing with women priests and heaven forbid, gays, which does not fit in their normal culture. They've got reasons. We don't like them. Because we're living in a different world with more freedom. But at least we need to hear them. And 
hopefully convince them. We in the West are concerned about the terrible things that happen to trans people and to our LGBT brothers and sisters and our brothers and sisters of color. We're all trying to speak for Jesus's love and welcome, but from very different perspectives. How can we discern these interpretations of, how can we discern these difficult issues, which have been imposed in a structure of rules and regulations, interpretation of scripture, usage of sacramental liturgy, and the opinions of warring, but duly consecrated, bishops and all temp and all tailored to meet their own parochial needs. We settled the problem at the General Convention with a compromise, but one so carefully crafted that peace was restored. Room for the Book of Common Prayer, room for expanded liturgy for same-sex marriage. The resolution for open table we'll talk about later. Likewise, arguing the issue of the right of women to be ordained and the rights for the LGBT community to be part of the church, no less ordained, was probably not a useful thing to have those people from Africa bring up in this COVID-threatened Lambeth Conference. And it still is amongst us, we know that. Richard is out sick, it's still here. Jesus' prayer to his father calms me. He puts all this in perspective. So did the knowledge that in the mid-19th century, the Reverend Father William Reed Huntington recognized the same schismatic tension that we see today. But he did something about it. He did something wonderful. What can we do? How can we go in his footsteps and do likewise? Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon. Uh -huh.